Hello, and welcome to another episode of Vibe Talk Awaken. I am your host, Vibe Queen, and this week I am so excited to be doing a solo episode and sharing with you uh, 10 ways to combat fear. And it's so interesting when I was going down the rabbit hole and was still very new on my spiritual journey. I remember having the epiphany and sharing this on Instagram that you are always operating on one on one of two frequencies, and that is that of love or that of fear. And that aha for me was so profound. And I remember sharing this on Instagram. And I probably looked like a psychopath. <laughs> Maybe I'll share the the uh, the post or the live. Uh, I'll have to dig back. I think this was in 2019, even before you know the world shut down. And I just had this profound aha that you're either operating through the lens of love or fear. And that was such a huge turning point for me. And I remember things never, you know, was the same after that. So. I'm excited to share with you 10 ways that I've found you can combat fear. And I want to give you a little bit of a caveat with that, because at the end of the day, to even say combat fear, it's as if we're fighting fear, right? And I almost don't even like that title anymore. Uh, And I wrote a blog on this. That's why I want to keep the title consistent, because In a way, we're not even really combating fear or fighting fear. I think it's more so acknowledging fear and then understanding and then accepting, surrendering, integrating, and embodying. And then that can translate in a lot of ways to our shadow, right? We have our light. We have our our shadow. And so just something to kind of think of. So just kind of chew on that as well, you know. But with that, I want to really break down these 10 principles, if you will, that I've found to be incredibly helpful uh, as I've been on my journey. And so hopefully these will resonate. And, uh, you know, I'm a big believer. Take what resonates and leave the rest. You know, perhaps it'll, you know, plant a seed and it'll come to fruition later. I I know so many things I heard on my journey so many years ago that didn't resonate then and then I was reintroduced to it and even would have the memory of like oh yeah I heard about that back in you know whatever year this could be you know decades ago and I wasn't ready to understand or grasp that information at that time but now I am so just be open be open be curious, and lead with an open heart. And I find that just having that attitude allows you to, uh, one, not take anything personally, and two, it allows you to not shut down two new possibilities. And I found that in the past, because I was not open, I would be very defensive, and that would stunt my own growth. So allowing yourself to be curious and open allows you to be open for growth and possibility. So, yes. Number one, separating reality from perception. And so I wrote this in the blog as well, and I'm going to kind of riff on this. Asking yourself what is really going on, locating the facts and placing them over your feelings. And so what I mean by that 
often we have an initial gut reaction to something, right? And often those are skewed by our emotions, the way we were raised, our environment. And so being able to take a pause and reflect and be aware enough to do so will allow you to realize, okay, am I reacting based based off of my emotions and feelings or do I have all of the facts in front of me in order to now make a uh, logical uh, response or decision, right? And so I believe that that's incredibly paramount, especially in this day and age, especially with the amount of overload of information that we have to not take things at face value, even what I'm presenting, right? And I found that, especially when I went down a lot of rabbit holes, especially in 2020, as a lot of us may have, until you have done your own due diligence, regardless of the topic, the person you are dating, a friendship, a job, right? I just took a new job. Um, Until you've done your own due diligence, you fact-checked things to your own standard, there really is no reliable source. Your own intuition is your reliable source. That's truly what I what I subscribe to and believe. I, I don't really let anyone outside of myself influence me. I listen to my body. I listen to my intuition before anything else. And so being able to separate uh, reality from perception, I think, is is huge. And I believe you you do that by being able to take that beat, take that pause to look at everything, all parts of it, right? Not just your initial gut reaction, but also the facts and being able to zoom out and recognize if you're being biased, right? Depending on the situation. Huge. And that way, just to relate this back to fear, right? To combat fear, you're not making a decision based out of fear, you're not making a decision out of, oh my God, what if, you know, what if this happens? You look at the facts, you look at the stats, you, you actually do a little bit of research, you, you, you look at all sides, and this goes for a variety of topics. So I think this is really huge because we're such emotional creatures, right? That if we just do things based off of our, off of our emotions, we can potentially make devastating decisions that can affect us long-term. So definitely something to consider. Number two, identifying the trigger. Okay, so figuring out what it is in a situation that triggers you. This goes back to being curious, right? Asking questions, and especially when your body becomes activated, meaning your heart starts to beat faster, you're starting to sweat, you can feel yourself perhaps getting angry or irritated. Something has triggered you. That's a sense of fear, perhaps. Being able to identify where that comes from, getting curious, allows you to not take to not take it personally. And that's ultimately what's going to allow you to separate that emotion in that moment so that you're able to respond appropriately versus react. And so to identify what it is, or at least become aware, uh, I think is huge game changer, so huge. So you're not um, unconsciously just playing things out, right? Number three, knowing where fear lives in your body. 
So this kind of goes back to when you're activated and when you're triggered. I know for me in the past, I would just be so unconscious that it's like I didn't even know um, fear had taken over me. And it's like I was just on autopilot until I would calm down and then realize, oh, what just happened? It was like I was under a spell. That's the best way to to describe it. And now it's like I can feel the emotions arise as as it's progressing. And that's something that I believe is a skill and anyone can can learn that skill. Uh, and I think it's it's pivotal, uh, regardless if you consider yourself to be uh, spiritual or not, which I know most of our listeners that are listening to this podcast, you know, identify as such. Um, but even if you weren't, like it's a skill. Think about it. It truly is. How incredibly powerful is it to be able to have mastery over your emotions and not in the sense that you're suppressing them, not in the sense that you're saying, oh, I don't get mad anymore. I don't get angry anymore. I don't judge. I don't, you know, feel shame or guilt, you know, or any of those quote unquote negative emotions, right? No, mastery over being able to recognize when the emotion arises, being okay with it, observing it, and realizing that it's just literally a trigger, an alarm letting you know, hey, I'm feeling this, shame, guilt, anger, irritation, right? Becoming aware, acknowledging it, being able to get to the root, and then being able to transmute that energy, right? So much healing can take place because that person or situation that triggered that is really just a mirror. It's an opportunity for learning, for growth, for a lesson, why are you triggered? Why is this person person reminding you of whatever? Why are you feeling impatience? Why are you feeling judgment? Why is this quote-unquote negative emotion arising within you? Where is it coming from? Let's get to the root. There's so much healing that can be done. Self-healing in that moment if you can become self-aware enough to recognize that. And it's a practice. It's a skill. It truly is, but it can literally make becoming triggered almost like a game. It can almost become fun. I know it sounds crazy, but that's why I no longer look at emotions as negative or positive because I truly feel now that whenever I feel a quote-unquote negative emotion, it's literally an opportunity for growth. And so I take that and I dig and I'm able to figure it out transmute that and it's an opportunity to grow and become a better version of myself right right then and there in the spot if you can become aware enough to recognize that not judge yourself and allow yourself to feel that emotion of shame guilt disappointment whatever it is you're not you're not suppressing it fully feel it on a cellular level feel that disappointment feel that shame whatever it is fully feel it it doesn't feel great but at the same time it's like Fully feeling it and then being able to uncover the root, that's where the healing happens, right? We don't grow in our comfort zones. So yeah, it feels uncomfortable. Literally, it feels, because I feel it on a cellular level, it feels uncomfortable. That is literally the definition, however, of growth doesn't happen in your comfort zone. I truly believe that's the definition. 
that is how I've been able to grow. So I, I challenge you to try this. The next time you feel triggered and you feel this, this negativity, negativity overcome you, whatever it may be, instead of feeling as if it's negative, become aware that it's happening. Allow it to happen. Simply watch it. And then ask why. Keep getting curious. Ask yourself why. Who hurt that former version of you? Perhaps it was just a version of you five years ago, ten years ago. Maybe it was you as a child. Getting curious and curious and curious and more curious, you're going to get to the root eventually. I went live on Instagram. Uh, I had shared how I got to the root of judgment when it came to homeless people and how profound that was and how I was able to get to the root of it because the first two years of my life, I was homeless with my mom and I felt a lot of resentment towards that. And I remember living in New York and I felt a lot of resentment towards homeless people and I felt like, oh, they could just get a job, you know? so entitled. I remember offering my food to a homeless person and they said that they didn't want it. And I was like, oh, you see, all homeless people are entitled. They should, they could just get a job. Everybody should work. I came to this country, blah, 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 blah. I felt it wasn't fear, fair. And I, I just had such resentment and hate. And I, I talked about this on my live. And after my awakening, two years later, I remember feeling a lot of guilt and shame around that of like, how can I feel such resentment towards another human being that I don't even know? Like, this person is homeless. Like, that's awful. Who am I to judge, right? You know, and there's drugs and alcohol and all these things. And, and I did research on that, especially with alcoholism. You know, your prefrontal cortex shuts down. All reasoning and logic is, is completely gone. And then ironically, you know, and I've shared this before, you know, my mom has battled with alcoholism. It runs, you know, in our family. You know, my grandfather, her father passed away of the disease. And so it made me do a lot of research and it made me find a lot of compassion. And then I felt a lot of shame and guilt around the resentment I used to feel for homeless people. And then I was like, where did that even come from? And then I remembered what my mom shared and, you know, how we, we used to be homeless. And I felt like, wow, that's where that came from. And then I zoomed out and I'm like, okay, these are all these stories that we tell ourselves. Everything is a story attached to emotion. And so the reason I'm sharing this with you is that at the end of the day, and this is why just to kind of like complete the circle of this story, emotions are just tools. They're tools to signal the body and the mind what frequency you're on. And the frequency just is. I don't believe it's good or bad. Yes, one may feel more favorable than the other, but I don't necessarily think it's good or bad because in a sense, the one that's not favorable can also be labeled as good because that's the one that's going to make you grow. And so, yes, it's not favorable. It may feel uncomfortable in the moment, but if you just breathe and, and feel through that, that's where the growth happens. The growth doesn't happen in your comfort zone. And so that was a huge breakthrough for me, and it allowed me to feel my feelings. And so that was another huge reason why um, 
I no longer wanted to numb my feelings. And so that's what I used to do with alcohol, ironically, you know, numb my feelings. I didn't want to feel anything. And I feel like that's, you know, a huge motivator for many, many folks, right? It was, it was for me. So yes, I know that one was long. That was knowing where fear lives in the body. So moving on, practicing gratitude. That's number four. To combat fear, practicing gratitude. And so how does one practice gratitude? There are a couple ways. One way I like to practice gratitude is by literally writing down the things I'm grateful for at night in my journal, pen to paper. That's one way. Another way is through meditation, literally just placing my hand on my heart. In fact, we can do that right now. If you're listening to this, wherever you are, as long as you're not driving, (laughs) you can close your eyes with me. Put your hand on your heart and just feel your heart beating and just become present with your heart. Just knowing that your heart is always beating for you. How incredible is that? That's enough to be grateful right there. No matter what's going on around you, your heart still beats for you. Nonstop. Every day. All day. Since the moment you took your first breath. Your heart is always there for you. Let's tap into the heartbeat. Listening. And just repeat after me, either silently or out loud. Thank you, my heart. Thank you, my heart. Thank you, my heart. I'm taking a deep breath in. And exhale. And open up your eyes. (laughs) Yeah, that was nice, right? Oh, that felt really good. See? So that is one way that I practice gratitude, uh, simply just listening to my heart and saying thank you. So often we get caught up in the drama in our lives and uh, we forget to realize that our time is so limited here in this vessel, this human experience. We have so much to be grateful for. And just a simple exercise is putting your hand on your heart and just listening to your heartbeat as you breathe in and out and just realizing, wow, my heart is beating for me no matter how I take care of my body or don't take care of my body. My heart still beats for me. How incredible is that? And how special is that? And how miraculous is that? And how blessed am I? That's a very quick, easy way to tap into gratitude. And that will transmute a quote unquote negative mood very, very quickly. Um, And just smiling, signaling to your brain and your body that you are safe, that you are loved and that all is okay. And that you're, you're here for a reason. And you are, I truly believe you are. I truly, truly believe you are. So that is number four. Number five, 
is listening to your inner voice. And so some may say, okay, I don't know how to listen to my inner voice. How do I listen to my inner voice? What does that even mean? I believe it can come in a variety of different ways. I believe listening to your inner voice can also be interpreted as your intuition, your gut feeling, your downloads, your spirit guides, however you want to label it, whatever you subscribe to. It's an inner knowing that is just irrefutable. And I believe that once you become in flow and in tune and in alignment with it, things become a lot uh, more effortless and more, uh, yeah, in flow. I don't know how else to describe it. And so listening to your inner voice, I believe we all have that capability, especially as children. And then outside circumstances may shut that down. I know for me, and I've never shared this publicly. When I was a kid, I used to have imaginary friends and I would talk out loud to them. And it's funny because as a kid, I remember not thinking they were imaginary and they were very real to me. And my, and my mom would tell me, you know, people are going to think you're crazy. You can't do that. Don't tell anyone they're not real, this and that. And I'm like, they're, yes, they are. Like they come to me. And I was very young and I, I have memories of this and I've, I've never shared this before. And my mom would just, you know, sh- shut it down. Um, and eventually I, it stopped, it stopped happening. And I just kind of suppressed it and just, uh, did, I stopped thinking about it um, until recently it's been kind of on my mind and here I am sharing it. Um, but I, I believe that often, our inner voice, our intuition is shut down. Now, some may say, you know, there's out, there's other circumstances that shuts that inner voice down. You know, you have, of course, the conspiracy theory rabbit holes of 5G, you know, um, medications and fluoride in the water. There's all these other things to consider, which, you know, I've actually written a blog post on that. Um and I've, I found some interesting articles and evidence that, you know, may suggest that, but nothing is, is concrete. And I definitely like to have facts, not just um, speculation. Uh, so, yeah, so that's that. Uh, although, yes, fluoride-free toothpaste, definitely. <laughs> and I try to stay away from anything that's uh, artificial as much as possible. However, with that being said... I do believe just like being able to become aware of your emotions and using those as a tool, it is a skill. And being able to listen to your inner voice is a skill. And I know there are coaches and healers out there that that's what they use. That's what they tap into. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely feel that that's, uh, that's huge, especially when it comes to combating fear, because then you know that you are at the core of it, you are love. And so if you know that and you're listening to your inner voice, then you know you are always guided. Huge. Number six, this too shall pass. This is a mindset. This is an outlook. This is an attitude. This is a lifestyle. (laughs) Sounds like a commercial. (laughs) Um, No, but for real, this too shall pass. This is like a mantra that I tell myself and I think this is an important one because especially when you're combating fear, right? 
this too shall pass. Everything seems to be going perfectly. This too shall pass. Everything is ever flowing. Nothing is permanent. This too shall pass. And so when you are feeling fear, when you are feeling that frequency, this too shall pass. Number seven, looking at the glass half full. It's another attitude, another mindset, but from the perspective of, I'm going to look at the positive. And I know what you may be thinking, you know, you may think of the spiritual trap of good vibes only. There's a difference, and I'm going to explain it. Good vibes, that's cool. Good vibes only, that's a spiritual trap, okay? And I don't agree with it. The reason for that is because you're excluding room for any kind of negativity, any kind of bad vibes, right? And see, I welcome the good vibes and the bad vibes because to go back to the label of good, bad, negative, positive, right? If you feel that negative or bad vibe, that's going to be your opportunity to feel it, remember, and to transmute it and to learn and to grow. You don't learn and grow just from success, from good vibes only. That's not where the growth happens. You learn from when you you fall, you fail, from the bad vibes, right? So good vibes only, I think the intention is good, right? It's good. However, it's kind of it's kind of people pleasing. So it's manipulative. Uh, it's toxic. It's a trauma bond. So no, looking at the glass half full, it's a perspective. You're not denying that the glass is also half empty, but you're choosing to look at it half full. So that's where I think it's different. Okay. You're not saying look at the glass half full only. Just look at the glass half full. Choose to look at the positive. Okay. And there's a story I shared in my Facebook group, which if you're not part of my Facebook Facebook community, shameless plug right now, <laughs> you should go check it out. But really, it's a plug for you because it's an incredible community of coaches, healers, spiritual entrepreneurs, all doing the same shit that I'm doing. We're all doing the same shit, okay? Let's be real. We're all trying to share our gifts and talents with the world as the world is awakening more and more each day, okay? And it's a fantastic group because it's intimate. Right now, I believe there are 65 members, so it's very intimate, which is great. I'm a part of a lot of Facebook groups that are like thousands of people, and those are great too, but it can get very overwhelming. So I think it's a positive that the group's pretty small still. You'll get to really actually connect with people. Remember, this is a podcast. So if you have a podcast and you're looking for guests, that's a great place to network with people. Um, Also, there are a couple people in the group that have podcasts. So if you want to be a guest on their show or on this show, great way to network as well in that capacity. So all in all, just a really great community. I share resources every single day. I also go live every single Friday, 12 o'clock Pacific Standard Time. That's 3 o'clock Eastern, 2 o'clock Central. And I go live for about 15 minutes and just teach about a different topic within the business community. That was a lot. Okay. So, yes. So, I usually talk about things like branding, marketing, how to organize your business, uh, just all kinds of topics within spiritual business stuff. 
Yes. And sometimes also just about consciousness and spirituality and all the things. So yeah, if you've been thinking about scaling your business, getting it to the next level, wanting to start a podcast yourself, how to get your premium offer together, all of that good stuff. I do that in my Facebook community. It's public as of right now. Come check it out. The link will be in the show notes. So yeah, that was a nice little plug. It's called Spiritual Coaches Network. There we go. So back to what I was saying, looking at the glass half full is really a mindset. You're choosing to look at the positive. And so the reason why I really like this and how I even got on this rant is because it allows you to give people the benefit of the doubt. And I really truly believe most times folks don't have bad intentions. And if you can give people the benefit of the doubt versus being cynical and thinking they're out to get you or scam you or whatever, okay, this is situational. All right, granted, okay, but still, it says more about you than them. And so I really, really try to always look at the glass half full. Sometimes it can be a struggle. I am not perfect, but I really, really strive to do that. And so I wanted to add this to the list because. It takes you into that love frequency. Remember, either in love or in fear. And I I really believe this is a big one because it dictates your entire life, even at work, right? Maybe a customer is upset if you work in sales like I do. Okay, maybe the customer is having a bad day. They had a fight with their partner. Their kids are getting on their last nerves. Like, who knows? And I literally am on the phone with customers all day. I have a sales job. Giving the customer the benefit of the doubt and they can hear that in your voice truly, genuinely, not only makes your job and life so much easier, they can feel it too. And I think that translates in your overall happiness and in your relationships and within your business and just it spills over everywhere to have that mindset versus, oh, they're just calling in to complain. They're so difficult. It's like, you know what? They're calling in and they're frustrated. Maybe I can actually like try to help them or whatever. And I know this may sound cliche or cheesy. However, I found when I truly implemented this, my stress level went down immensely. And same with the other person on the other line. Uh, So yeah, it's just been a game changer looking at the glass half full, genuinely, authentically. Um, Try it out. Number eight breathing exercises. And so I know we did a little mini meditation midway this episode, and we're going to wrap up soon. But Wim Hof, I got introduced to Wim Hof this past May. I have his app. And it's like, I never knew you could get high off of air. (laughs) I remember I was at the beach and I did this breathing exercise. Now, granted, I was with a friend at the time and they led the session. I don't know what they did differently. I never was able to quite replicate that, but it was like I was just on another level. Um, It was quite profound. But yes, there is an art to breath work. And the app, it's called the Wim Hof Method. Game changer, game changer. Our breath is so incredibly powerful. Meditation, incredibly powerful. But the breath, also an incredibly powerful tool. And so whenever you're feeling fear, And for me, the moment I feel extreme fear is whenever I'm about to have a seizure. 
For those of you that have been following me for a while, I have epilepsy. I've had it for about 17 years since I was 19. I feel fear like I feel like I'm going to die. I'm about to lose consciousness. I have about a five-second window before I lose consciousness. And so fear literally just takes over me. And so it's interesting. I remember when I used the breath. This was in 2020. And I took deep, deep, deep breaths through the aura I was experiencing at the time. And I experienced what we call a moment of samadhi, which is like pure, intense focus and eternal beingness and some may call a glimpse of enlightenment and it lasted a few seconds it didn't last very long but it was just like the most profound blissful feeling um it's like I could have died in that moment it was but in a good way it was profound and that happened through breath and so nothing has ever come close or replicated that And I've tried quite a few psychedelics, um, but nothing has come close to that. And just whatever was going on in my brain, uh, neurologically, granted, um, and using my breath, using my body. So breath work, game changer. Number nine, creating a safe space. And so, I mean, for me, that would mean literally laying down. But as far as creating a safe space, it could even mean mentally creating a safe space. You know, if you're truly in a environment where you're feeling like you're going to have for me like a seizure or an anxiety attack or a panic attack, being able to visualize a safe space can be the difference of you actually having a panic attack and anxiety attack or a seizure and you not having one. So visualizing a safe space incredibly helpful. Um, If you have trouble visualizing, again, guided meditations that have visualizations, an amazing way to become better at visualizing. And all these things are just like anything else. Practice, practice. That's why we call it a practice. The more you do it, the quote unquote, better you'll get at it, or the more uh, effortless it will become. Put it that way. Yes. And then the last one, Guided meditation. I didn't realize I put that as the last one um, because I know we kind of did one with the gratitude, but that was one form of guided meditation. But yes, guided meditation uh, has been huge in my life and is huge with just combating fear. And I think sometimes there's a misconception that, you know, guided meditation, you have to be a certain way, you have to sit a certain way, you have to have a certain environment. And it's like, okay, yeah, there are things you can do to make it more comfortable. Absolutely. However, you can tap into a meditative state anywhere at any time. Okay, I've been in situations where I could feel myself getting triggered, upset, and I'm like, okay, take a deep breath, and I'm just tapping into a meditative state. It's like, it's a consciousness. It's always right there, right? So I don't, you don't need to be in a certain space or place to become meditative. You can meditate in the shower while you're cooking, while you're walking, while you're in the middle of a fight. Um, So yeah, just want to make sure I added that because I think there's this like image of meditation and yoga and like just holistic spirituality. And I had shared this the other day and it's like, 
quote unquote being spiritual. It's like that's that's a, that could be another identity trap in and of itself, right? It's like we're all spiritual in a sense if you really like zoom out and and grasp the concept, you know. So to think there's that there's this image or look or something you have to have in order to be spiritual is kind of paradoxical. Like it's just it's just it's kind of ironic Um, because to truly be quote-unquote spiritual it's like you're everything and nothing right our consciousness we're everything and nothing all at the same time it's just infinite so yeah and with that those are the 10 ways you can combat fear Um, I hope, I hope, I hope that you enjoyed this episode. I really, really enjoyed doing it. Um, haven't done that many solo episodes, so please let me know if you enjoyed it. I would appreciate the feedback. And, uh, if you'd like me to do more of these, because I usually have guests on. And if you do, I will definitely make an effort to record more. I'm more than happy to if, if you guys enjoy it and if not of course i can just bring on more guests um i will be back next week with an incredible guest i'm so excited to share her story it's a pretty powerful story so definitely tune in for that and uh with that i'm gonna be signing off sending you all so much so much so much love and until next time